is Andy Wakefield, and this is the Andy Wakefield Podcast. This is a place where stories are told that have never been heard before. Welcome back to the Andy Wakefield Podcast. My name is Lori Gregory. I am pleased to be here this morning with Andy Wakefield. Andy, how are Hi, you? Everybody. Hi, everybody. Great to be back. We, we were just coming off of a high of having been in Tulsa last weekend at the Clay Clark Reopen America Tour, which we will be participating in again in Tampa in June, June 17 through 19. So we'll have more information for you on that. And you can always go to 1986theact.com, 1986theact.com, scroll to the bottom and subscribe so that you can be a part of our newsletter and get all kinds of information. But Today, we are so pleased to have a really special guest with us. Dr. Carrie Madej is here. And Carrie, this is your first time joining us on the Andy Wakefield podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Carrie, welcome. Just a quick question. Where does, the, where does your surname come from? Most unusual. Uh, it's a very old Polish name before Poland was Poland. So we're not quite sure the original origin. But what was Poland before it was Poland? Uh, like serfs and feuds, feudal land, I believe, right? Just territories. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful name. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, uh, Karen, you've become uh, quite renowned in the forefront of the debate about COVID vaccine. But how did you, well, I'd love to know as a start off, where, how you came to this issue and to your understanding of vaccines in the first place? Oh, well, I, I started even in my teenage years questioning vaccines, and um, I've told the story quite a bit about the tetanus vaccine, where I questioned the reason why we gave these boosters, um, because the story that was told to, to us in the United States was that if you didn't get the booster, that um, if you were uh, walking barefoot in your yard, a rusty nail could get into the foot, and then the bacteria called tetanus would cause you within minutes to hours, not days or weeks, minutes to hours, to have such a muscle tetany, such a muscle spasm in the body that you would curl up in a ball on the ground and suffocate to death. And I thought, well, I've never heard of anyone dying in this manner. And so uh, over the years, investigated and even infectious disease doctors looked into this for me. And we all found that there was no bona fide case of a human being dying in this manner from the tetanus bacteria proven by a lab. But so, it's fair, it works. <laughs> it's so, terrifying vision. Go, sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. And, and I tell people, sure, you could get a cellulitis or something like that, but that's not the reason we give all these boosters out. So since that wasn't the reason, then I realized I had to do an observation when I was training one of the hospitals had a protocol. Um, everybody on welfare did not get the tetanus vaccine and everybody on private pay did. And I asked about that. They told me to be quiet, follow the protocol. So I noticed those two groups of people, the main difference was fertility. And the ones who did get it had a hard time with fertility. The ones who did not were amazingly fertile, even with poor nutrition. I was told to mind my own business and not question it and don't start any waves because this was a protocol that I wasn't supposed to question and I wasn't supposed to talk about. So it was uh, uh, 
one of those experiments that we weren't supposed to acknowledge and my attendings wouldn't discuss it any further. It was just my observation as I was going along. Um, but anyway, that got me started to really question everything I was taught um, and look into things a lot more in depth. And I always questioned things throughout my career. And I, uh, you know, a lot of People took notice of that, government entities, and et cetera. As you know, uh, if you question things in medicine, there's no uh, freedom of speech. Uh, you get a lot of uh, notoriety, maybe in not such a good way. But I was invited to meetings. Uh, so I guess they felt if you can't beat them, join them. And so these meetings were scientific as well as business owners meetings right here in Atlanta, Georgia. And through these meetings, they're around six, seven years ago, um, I found out that there was a plan for humanity, the world, and it involved medicine and uh, new technologies, including nanotechnology, hydrogel, and vaccine, what they call vaccines, injections into people, genetic modification. So these were talked about openly, and I was horrified being in these meetings uh, the large majority of people agreed with the plan. I did not. And I was uh, really, you know, disturbed, but I, I didn't know what to do with this information. You know, at that time, nobody really was listening to nanobots and genetic modification. So it wasn't until I, I learned about this pandemic with COVID-19 and I started to read about the ingredients in the vaccine, what they call a vaccine, the injection, that I... I see that all of this came together, everything that I learned, everybody, everything that I, uh, all the knowledge I gained from these meetings. So I felt that I needed to warn as many people as possible. Wonderful. I, um, one thing that you do, and I've listened to a number of your interviews, you, you explain things like transfection, hydrogel, artificial intelligence extremely well. And I am at the end of this uh, interview, we'll, we'll get those links uh, from you to put up so that we can get more and more people to watch it. it it's because it's one of those things that when you come to it, however long you've been in this field, there is the oh no, this is a step too far. But it's it's not. And one of the the reason I'm fascinated by the fertility issue is that for years and years and years, and I've been in this now for thirty years, that in the issue of vaccine safety and vaccine design and. Um, people would ask me at meetings, is there a population control agenda? Are they trying to kill us or are they trying to limit the population? And I, it just seemed, at the, at the time they were talking about vaccine injury and, and we were dealing specifically with things like neurodevelopmental disorders. And they would say, and it just seemed like a very clumsy way to do it to me, to target a population like America, you give them the maximum number of vaccines more than anyone else in the any other country in the world. And you you're going to produce a great deal of damage. It didn't seem to me like a, a sensible way. If you were an arch fascist and this is what you, your agenda was, that you would create the master race. And, but then I became aware of the issue of, of the Kenyan tetanus vaccine uh, strategies for you know, the human chorionotrophin. And, and I, then it all began to make sense, there was a, there was clearly a strategy, and then it, it you know you could trace it back, as you clearly pointed out, to um, documented strategies for for this. I, I didn't know, and I, I expected that it would also apply 
to tetanus vaccination in the US population, and, and you've just made a very good case for that. Um, it, it, so yes, there is, at, at that point, you can come to believe anything. You can come to believe that these people are capable of anything at all, and therefore, everything else that you talk about, the artificial intelligence, which is so readily dismissed as conspiracy theory, actually makes a, a great deal of sense, particularly the ability to deliver drugs that modify behavior. And anyone, anyone who can support this and endorse it is really <laughs> bordering on insane. They've not thought this through. Carrie, how do you, uh, with the insight that you have, and, and how do you see this playing out? How do you see the COVID issue playing out in the, in the medium to long term? Well, when I was researching this many years ago, I, it was an awful realization that so many places that you look, there is a grander plan for all of humanity. It's uh, repeated over and over, whether it's the Codex Alimentaris, the, the trade agreement, international trade agreements, which is the master plan, in my opinion, or if you go into these other trade agreements, the the Paris Accord, et cetera, you, you find in there, um, and, you know, of course, Agenda 21, et cetera, you find in there the same theme, which is massive depopulation of the world. And um, when you look at the Codex Alimentaris, the World Health Organization was um, given the task of, of tell us what will happen in 10 years after the full implementation of Codex, Codex Alimentaris. And I was horrified to see their response. And I wish I had it still printed out because it's hard to find online. Anyhow, they expected 3 billion dead in the world in 10 years from what they said is starvation, malnutrition, because of the, the food, the nutrients in the food would be depleted, as well as infectious agents. And the ones that they had listed, like mycoplasma pneumonia, we you know those are considered bioweapons. You've been listening to the Andy Wakefield Podcast. To continue the conversation, go to 1986theact.com slash membership, where for $5 a month, you can subscribe and access the Andy Wakefield Podcast in its entirety and much more.